1: Hello, everyone. Welcome to the August 21st, 2017 edition of the Fantasy Football Report, a Rotoviz podcast, brought to you by the FFPC. I'm Anthony Amico. You can follow me on Twitter at Amixta. And my co-host, as always, is Heath Kruger, who you can follow at Heath K. Heath, how is everything?
2: Oh, it's going great. You know, dipping into the preseason DFS a little bit here and there. You know, I had a, I had a really good start following just the advice at you in my first really preseason go at it. Um, kind of brought me back down to earth, uh, the last slate I played. So I took this Saturday off, but, but yeah, it's been fun overall the entertainment before we get to the, you know, see draft start here, probably this week for a lot of people if they haven't been going already. And you know, football's what three weeks away now.
1: Yeah. It's crazy. I mean, I actually don't even really play in that many leagues anymore, like probably less than five. So it's like the draft season isn't even really that exciting for me. Like I just can't wait for week one DFS. Like I already have all my contests. Reserved, like I'm ready to I'm ready to rock, man. I just want to build some lineups and and get going. Uh, joining us today on the show is T J Hernandez. He's the associate editor for Four for Four Football, the founder of Roster Coach, and a co-host of the DFS MVP Podcast. You can find him on Twitter at T J Hernandez. T J, always good to talk to you, man. How's it going?
3: Good, man. Always good to uh, be on RotoViz. Always one of my favorite pods. I'm glad you guys are holding down the preseason DFS. I'm just going to kind of sit back and and watch you guys do that. The last thing I want to do is uh, go into week one with a bad taste in my mouth. So I usually just chill, kick back, um, watch the games casually during the preseason and enjoy my last couple weeks of sanity before September comes.
1: Yeah, when it comes, it comes quick. And then we're basically just busy, busy, busy until the season's over. Uh, First news item this week NFL Network's Tom Palacero confirms that Jacksonville's starting quarterback job is wide open. TJ, Blake Bortles has been awful. There's really no way around that. But does Chad Henney improve this offense or any of the weapons at all for fantasy if he ends up getting this starting job?
3: Um, I mean, I'm, I'm not surprised that the job's wide open, Uh, but I don't know that, that Chad Henney's necessarily improves uh, the outlook, at least from a fantasy perspective of this offense. I mean, Chad Henney's been equally as bad as Blake Bortles throughout the the course of his career. So it's going to be kind of a lesser of two evils. The, the big thing with this offense is it's a completely new regime. Uh, Tom Coughlin's over there. They brought in Doug Marone, uh, as he was the interim head coach last year, but hired him full time. He's, he's a run heavy guy like Coughlin. And, and there's been reports that Coughlin's kind of been over his shoulder at practice, kind of putting his fingerprints on the team. And, uh, we know how, how historically he kind of likes to play that conservative, uh, run the ball game. And, and then of course they draft Leonard Fournette. So I think this team is, is going to see the biggest 180 in uh, play calling philosophy of any team from last year. Uh, I, I wouldn't be surprised to see Fournette get 300 touches pretty easily. Uh, historically, those running backs that are drafted that high, uh, they're drafted with the intention of, of using them and they usually approach that 300 touch mark. So I, I think this team's going to look a lot different. I think that both uh, Coughlin and Marone want to mask their bad quarterbacks. Marone has a history as a play caller of um Doing that with his bad quarterbacks, as the head coach in Buffalo, uh, had EJ Manuel, uh, Kyle Orton, um, a couple other really bad quarterbacks that he coached, and he really kind of just wants to minimize mistakes and, and run the ball. And I think that's what we're going to see this year.
2: Yeah, it's one of those situations to where I think you know, kind of like you said, they they want to do something. They just really want to run the ball because they they realize what what they're in for with either quarterback option. Um for those of you who are thinking Chad Henney might be a better option, he's not. Um any any season where he started the majority of the games for the team he was on at the time, he had an AYA that was below six. Um touchdown interception ratio um was essentially it was fifty percent or, you know, favored the interception side um in every one of those seasons as well. This guy's been in the league a while, so I guess he's a veteran. He might slightly limit turnovers less than Blake Bortles, but he also doesn't offer the rushing upside of a Blake Bortles and at least the, the deep you know, the deep passing ability of Blake Bortles. So it's an unfortunate situation, but don't don't trick yourselves into thinking that Chad Henney is really any sort of significant solution. You're just gonna have to sadly just kinda roll with Bortles, I think, and and just hope for the best and hope that, you know, this young defense with all the talent it has and a rookie, you know, Hopefully, Dynamo running back and Leonard Fournette can kind of push you through to a you know better time to where possibly more quarterbacks open up next year. Um, as there should be a couple different good veterans hitting the market.
1: I think it's a real disaster for them if they decide to go to Henny. And I know that Bortles may be a broken man at this point, and the idea of him getting back to that 2015 form is probably completely non-existent. But If you just look at what Henny and Bortles have done career-wise, Bortles has a better touchdown rate. He has a better interception rate. He is easily the better runner of the two players, which I think probably matters the most when you consider what they want to do with that offense. So I'm I'm not really feeling the move to Henny if that ends up happening. I do think that Jacksonville is going to try to go out of their way to keep Bortles as the starter, maybe give him the Hackenberg game plan in the next preseason game, just... Keep it simple. A lot of easy checkdowns, stuff like that. But it's it's almost upsetting because I feel like the one thing that can prevent a Jaguars breakout is is bad quarterback play, and you know Jacksonville can't really seem to get away from that.
2: TJ, let me ask you this: You know, we we didn't really project it to to be a high volume passing game by any means, or, or a quality one. But did you expect the, the level of play to be this poor from Bortles? And have you really kind of moved down any of the wide receiver options or tight end options in Jacksonville?
3: I mean, I, 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 I didn't expect it to be this bad. I don't think you could ever really expect anyone to be as bad as Bortles has been, especially last year. Uh, I didn't really have anybody else on my board uh, outside of of Fournette and um, Allen Robinson. I don't want any of those ancillary pieces. Julius Thomas doesn't do anything for me. Um, Hearns and Lee just aren't even options, even in, in deep MFL 10s. Allen Robinson is a guy that I'm going to look at depending on how my – uh specific draft is going if if i'm getting him as a wide receiver 3 or maybe even as a wide receiver 4 if i go really wide receiver heavy and i'm in kind of a casual league where he's not going to go in the thirdish round or something like that uh i'll probably take him just because i think as an individual he has a lot of uh touchdown upside regardless of who his quarterback is i just think he's so good in the red zone he's, even last year his red zone uh rate numbers were still up in that really elite, like Eric Decker, Des Bryant type, uh, tier. And I think he's just that type of player that's going to score at a really high volume, uh, close to the goal line so he's going to be frustrating week to week but again if he's someone that's just uh in your wide receiver three or flex spot that's the kind of player that could kind of boost those weeks when they when they do hit um and then if you're not relying on him it doesn't hurt too much on those down weeks so I'm i'm still fine with Allen robinson depending on what the first few uh picks in my draft look like
2: All right, let's move on to the next news item of the day. Falcons.com's Kelsey Conway reports that the team has shown a real emphasis on getting Julio Jones more red zone touches during camp. DJ, Julio has scored more than eight touchdowns only once in his career. Does that change this season, and where do you rank him among the elite fantasy wide receivers currently?
3: I still have Julio right behind um, Odell and Antonio Bryant just uh, from a talent perspective and, uh, from, uh, from a draft perspective. I, I think the, the red zone and scoring thing with Julio is a little bit overblown. The last three seasons, he's finished sixth, second, and sixth in PPR leagues. The issue with this offense is the offense is going to regress as a whole. They, they played way out of their mind. I think if you've been paying attention to any type of, uh, offseason chatter, the, it's, it's pretty popular opinion and pretty obvious that this, Offense can't sustain what they did last year. Uh, Matt Ryan's touchdown rate was way over his career average of uh, 4.7%, which is right at the league average. Uh, for his career, Julio scored at about 5%. Uh, so his volume's going to carry him. He's going to dominate targets in this offense. If if he sees that 175 to, to 200 targets uh, that we're used to and he could stay on the field, that touchdown rate still puts him at about eight or nine touchdowns. He's only scored more than eight touchdowns once, but he scored eight touchdowns Twice, um, so we, we know how variable touchdowns can be from year to year. And Julio is going to be right around that top five fantasy wide receiver pretty consistently just because of that volume. So I don't have any problem with it. I mean, he's one year removed from seeing 22 red zone targets. The fact that they at least recognize that he's not getting looked at in the red zone, I I think is fine. I don't think it's hard to add seven or eight targets to Julio in the red zone that they throw so heavily to their running backs in the red zone that you could reallocate those looks over to Julio pretty easily.
1: Yeah, I think that's the key for sure. It's just recognizing that he's their best guy and they want to get him the ball more. I'm really expecting Julio to have a pretty big year. I think that some of that regression that we expect from Matt Ryan as a result of just being so outrageously efficient last year, I think that when he comes down, that's going to force him to key in on his best target a little more. I think last year being able to just spread it out and be successful, getting a lot of those big chunk yardage plays in Taylor Gabriel being able to rely on a couple of these ancillary targets in the offense. I'm not really sure that's going to happen again. And I think that when, you know, the offense overall isn't running as smoothly, they're going to start focusing back in on number 11 and just going back to where Matt Ryan's bread is buttered. I really like that Sarkeesian understands that it's not really surprising to me at all. I mean, I think he's probably a pretty good coach, but Julio, for me, I think, you know, last year he was in the one forties in terms of a 16 game target pace Think he's gonna get back up into that 170 180 range, that truly elite territory this year. And you know, if he gets the touchdowns that come with that, that's great. But I think for sure Julio is locked into those top three wide receivers.
2: Yeah, you guys pretty much echoed all my thoughts. I just, I don't know. Maybe I just want to add one quick thing of just for the listeners out there who might be expecting a little bit of something outside of a potential, just kind of like a volume play in best ball leagues. Was like a number two wide receiver on the Falcons. Just think of the individual talent we have. We have a Mohamed Sanu, who, um, you know, that year in Cincinnati, to where he was the only option available. We kind of saw what Mohamed Sanu was, and it's not really anything you want on an individual target basis. Justin Hardy, we we know who he is, and it's not all that great. And Taylor Gabriel as well. Um, he was not some dynamo on the on the Cleveland Browns. He was just kind of like a, you know, a a, a decent. Sing like deep threat and that was just about it that's all he offered unless you're hoping for some giant leap from in year two from austin hooper um julio jones is pretty much just going to have all the volume he could handle i'm guessing with the addition of a new offensive coordinator who's probably going to look at the talent on the depth chart and notice you know who's the guy who's going to be who needs to be fed the most and it's pretty clearly julio jones
1: all right uh, before we get into No Shit, Shit, No, just to remind everyone, you can get a listeners-only 30% discount to a of NFL Pass through the NFL podcast homepage, rotaviz.com slash podcast. Your subscription gives you unlimited access to all of our premium NFL content, and it supports the pod. You can also support the show by subscribing to and rating the Rotoviz radio channel on iTunes. Do that, and you'll be eligible to compete against some Rotoviz podcasters and writers in a $35 entry best ball league hosted by our friends at the FFPC. The winner of each league will receive a year-long road of his pass on top of the cash prize. Just go to iTunes, leave a review with your name in it, and then email us at rotovisradio at gmail.com to let us know that you want to be in the His league, and we'll get that set up.
2: Hey his fans, I want to take a minute to tell you about our friends at the FFPC who are celebrating their 10th year as the home of season long high stakes fantasy football. If you love the best ball format, the FFPC has you covered. The popular FFPC Draft Experts Leagues start at just a $35 entry fee and go up to $1,250 for the high rollers. Drafts are filling fast so you won't have to wait long for your league to fill.
1: As if that's not enough, the FFPC has introduced a brand new concept to season long. Double up best ball leagues with 100% payout. Yep, you heard that right, 100% payout. Simply draft in a $35 or $250 entry FFPC draft expert league, finish in the top half of the league at the end of the season, that's the top six teams, and you will double your entry fee for next year. Double up leagues are the best deal in fantasy, so get on them and start drafting. Don't miss the FFPC experience. Go to myffpc.com and register now. That's myffpc.com. Join your fellow fantasy players today at the FFPC, the home of season long high stakes fantasy football. Now let's get into No Shit, Shit No. First item up this week is Philip Dorset, Appearing on the Rich Eyes and So, the Ringers, Mike Lombardi, reported that Colts wide receiver Philip Dorsett is available for
4: trade. Uh
3: no shit. I mean, this is kind of one of one of the worst draft picks we've seen probably in recent history, and it was from Ryan Grigson, who uh, they they got rid of. Uh, seems like they're pretty excited to get him out of there um i think a lot of people in the football community considered him um one of the lesser gms in the league so uh now that he's out of there it's no surprise that they want to get rid of of one of his uh early round picks i I, philip dorsett is maybe fourth in the pecking order at best on this team uh behind uh ty jack doyle and um who am i leaving off the list there don't take Moncrief. Off Moncrief, yeah. So, I mean, he, he wasn't in line to really have much of a role in, in this offense anyway. So, no surprise to me there.
2: EJ Manuel. ESPN's Paul Gutierrez reports EJ Manuel has taken a lead over Connor Cook in the Raiders uh, Raiders backup quarterback competition.
3: Uh, no shit, and it really doesn't have anything to do with EJ Manuel. Connor Cook is, is a player that... Uh, Last year they considered uh, a first round talent, but then after doing some some background stuff, there was some some weird Twitter stuff with his dad and, and then he apparently just has a really bad attitude with with coaches and teammates and then uh, couldn't even win, win the backup job over Matt McGloin last year. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if all of those reports add up to a player that hasn't really been motivated or working hard, which obviously you have to do at the NFL level, especially as a quarterback. Uh, So again, something that that really hasn't been surprising considering all the reports of uh, who Connor Cook has been.
1: Amir Abdullah, ESPN Lions reporter Michael Rothstein believes Amir Abdullah will top 1,000 yards rushing this season if he stays healthy.
3: Uh, I, I might lose a friend in Heath with this one but I, I'm gonna go with uh, uh, shit no this Yay. is a, this is an offense Jim Bob Cooter wants to throw the ball. Um, a lot, and he's not uh, game script sensitive at all. He's actually the least game script sensitive game uh, play caller in the league. So whether they're they're behind or ahead, they're going to want to throw the ball. I don't think anybody would argue that uh, Theo Riddick is going to be a big uh, part of that. Obviously, their their best pass catcher out of the backfield, um, and then. Uh, not even just the 1,000-yard thing, but just the the upside of Abdullah. Uh, I think there's a chance that Zach Zinner comes in, gets some of that short yardage uh, work, and I think Amir Abdullah will be losing a, a lot of early down work when Detroit wants to throw um, in first and second down situations. So uh, I, I don't think he's necessarily going to have the the workload that we might think.
2: It's more Abdullah for me, I guess.
3: <laughs>
2: <laughs> Doug Martin, Buccaneers coach Dirk Cutter, says... It's impossible to say if Doug Martin will be the starter when he returns from suspension.
3: Uh, No shit. If you follow Dirk Cotter as a coach and a play caller, he is a coach that likes to have uh, multiple running backs involved. So at the end of the year, we always see Dirk Cotter backfields with uh, really nice numbers as a whole, but he likes to use multiple guys. And one of those guys consistently, wherever he's been, has been Jaquiz Rogers going back to his time in Atlanta. So if Rogers is as good as he was last year in those couple of spot starts, I don't think Cotter has uh, any reservation about leaving him in there and just kind of rotating um martin and quiz and then if sims stays on the roster sims as well
1: Devonte parker speaking after thursday night's preseason game jake cutler called Devonte parker a faster
3: alshon um no shit i mean parker coming into the league was his his closest physical comp was aj green we've seen jake cutler really he he liked some of his best years were with uh, Alshon and Brandon Marshall so no surprise that Cutler is comparing uh, Parker to Alshon if we look at Parker's first couple years in the league uh, look at players with similar targets with a touchdown rate over five percent in yards per target uh, over eight he's Kind of on a career arc with guys like Doug Baldwin, Martavis Bryant, and Kenny Britt in that in that production range. Uh, I think people had really big hopes for Parker, and he hasn't been dominant. But if we just go back a couple years, kind of the the general consensus is fantasy was we look for um, that third year breakout receiver. I think we've got a little impatient with that recently, but uh, I, I wouldn't be surprised to see Parker come on strong this year.
2: Matt Days. Speaking about seventh round running back pick Matt Days, Browns coach Hugh Jackson said he's flashed and is, quote, establishing himself as an every down back.
3: Uh, shit, no. I, I don't see him jumping, uh, Isaiah Crowell or Duke Johnson. I think this probably has more to do with the fact that, uh, the Browns have been talking about wanting to get Duke Johnson in the slot. And I think if that does end up being the case, then, uh, those series maybe that, that they put Johnson in the slot might be times where they're rotating days in with Crowell. But I, we know Hugh Jackson is a coach that wants to run the ball a lot and get his running backs involved. So I, I think that, If it is a situation where Duke is playing a lot of slot, then that's just Hugh kind of saying that he has another guy that he's going to be rotating in there.
1: Alex Smith. The Kansas City Star reports that some in the Chiefs organization believe that Patrick Mahomes' presence has helped push Alex Smith to be more aggressive.
3: Um, shit, no. I mean, it's, it's his aggression, his uh, aggression was zero. So it's not hard to be a more aggressive than zero. Uh, he's going to be the check down king in this offense. Um, no one th- that. They're really going to push the ball down to So I think that's kind of them just, uh, just talking a little bit. Alex Smith will never be in the same sentence as aggressive, at least for me.
2: Le'Veon Bell. ESPN's Adam Schefter confirms unsigned franchise player Le'Veon Bell plans to report to the Steelers before week one.
3: No shit. We see this with uh, some high-profile player virtually every year, uh, ping-pong between the organization and the agent. There's reports out of the Steelers camp that a contract was in place agents denied it uh, I, th- I think they're going to get something figured out with Le'Veon. they they realize how big of a part of an offense he is uh, i expect him to be all systems go come f- the first week of the season
1: scott tolsian colts oc rob chesinski said the team will have to alter the playbook if scott tolsian is forced to start
3: No shit. We've seen this offense without Andrew Luck before, and it is a disaster. And they don't have a competent quarterback on the roster behind Andrew Luck. So if for whatever reason, if that shoulder is a problem, they will dumb it down.
2: Jerron Brown. According to azcardinals.com, Coach Bruce Arian said Jerron Brown is the Cardinals' number two receiver.
3: No shit, only because uh, after early season excitement where it sounded like uh, John Brown was, was healthy, he came out himself and said he still has work to do to, to get back to full health. Uh, so whatever it is with, with assist on his back or his sickle cell, uh, if, if the player himself is saying that he's not 100%, then I don't think the team is comfortably going to slot him in as a starter. Mike Lennon. According to the Chicago
1: Tribune's Brad Biggs, Mike Glennon remains the strong favorite to start the Bears' Week 1 opener against the Falcons.
3: No shit. They gave Glennon um, a a decent amount of money, and I think that the plan all along was to uh, draft somebody and have Glennon start at least early in the season. So I think that uh, Glennon will, at the very least, get starts uh, ahead of Trubisky, uh, depending on how the season's going. If the Bears are, are losing a lot, Trubisky will probably get in late in the year, uh, but not surprising to see them not want to throw their rookie into the fire and kind of uh, destroy his confidence right off the bat.
2: Christian Hackenberg. Jets offensive coordinator John Morton has called Christian Hackenberg basically a rookie.
3: Have you guys ever had an easier no-shit on the show than this? <laughs> um, I, I don't think anybody expects much out of Hackenberg or this team as a whole. Uh, it was surprising that they even drafted him where they did in the first place, and then to have him on this talentless team that looks like they're pretty much punting the season, uh, yeah, he's he should look like a rookie.
1: Darren McFadden, ESPN's Todd Archer thinks the Cowboys could use a committee approach at running back, during Ezekiel Elliott's six-game suspension?
3: Uh, No shit. Darren McFadden uh, turns 30 next week. They added Ronnie Hillman right before the suspension went down, so I think the Cowboys kind of knew something was coming. Um, Whatever you think about him, and they obviously wanted to add some depth. Alfred Morris is uh, serviceable at best, but I don't think that... The Cowboys are relying on McFadden to come in, carry the ball 20 to 25 times. I wouldn't be surprised to see them add somebody uh, as uh, roster cuts uh, start coming through as we get closer to week one. So I I wouldn't be uh, surprised to see one more body added to that backfield.
2: OJ Howard. ESPN Bucks reporter Jenna Lane believes rookie tight end OJ Howard's early contributions will primarily come as a blocker.
3: No shit. I'm never excited about any uh, rookie tight end. We've seen it year after year. It's it's a position that just doesn't produce early in their career. They have Cameron Brait there, who uh, has been one of the more pleasant surprises at the position. They're plenty happy uh, letting Brait hold down that that red zone work and uh, just using Howard in those two tight end sets. Adam
1: Shaheen. ESPN Bears reporter Jeff Dickerson believes second-round tight end Adam Shaheen will have a sizable role in the offense.
3: Shit, no. Kind of same thing with Howard. Rookie uh, tight ends come along very slowly. He's still going behind, to be behind Deion Sims, who uh, they gave $10 million to. He's, he's kind of a, a blocking tight end as well. Zach Miller has had a few splash games. There's rumors that he is going to be, uh, he he could be a, a roster casualty, a cut casualty uh, as they trim down the the roster to fifty three men. But uh, rookie tight ends don't come along. Uh, very often and i don't think there's going to be a lot of volume to be had in this offense anyway so behind sims and miller not expecting much out of shaheen um and in that same report the uh they they did say if he proves that he can block so there was a little caveat there as well
2: and finally le blunt according to matt lombardo of nj advanced media it wouldn't be surprising if le blunt is among the eagles cuts
3: I'm going to go with a um, a very hesitant shit no. He, he hasn't looked good in preseason, but I don't know what their plan is outside of uh, Blunt and Sproles. I know they have an undrafted free agent. I can't remember his name right now that they said have, has looked pretty good uh, in the preseason. But, I, I mean... They signed Blunt's kind of a, a awkward fit. Peterson kind of wants to get his running backs involved in the passing game. They did run a lot in the red zone last year, but I think that was more a function of them not wanting to put too much on uh, Carson Wentz, who was pretty inefficient in the red zone last year. I think they're going to take the reins off a little bit more and, and be a little more pass heavy. Uh, I, I think Blunt will probably still end up on the team, but a uh, little surprised to hear those reports.
1: Uh yeah, the player you're thinking of, by the way, I believe is Corey Clement. There it is. Um but yeah, great stuff, TJ. We're gonna wrap the show with a couple more regular news items. Item number three, ESPN's Jordan Rannon. Believes that Shane Vereen remains a big part of the Giants' plans this season. Uh Paul Perkins and Wayne Gallman certainly have failed to impress in this offseason. Which leads to the question, TJ, is Verine? the best value in the Giants' backfield right now for fantasy?
3: I think so. Ben McAdoo comes from uh, that Green Bay offense where they are really a pass-first offense. They run their offense through their wide receivers, uh, and then the running backs kind of just a compliment to that passing game and the way that the Giants have built this team the players they've signed the players that they've drafted it looks like they want to do something similar and it's not a team that's going to focus on the run I don't think that Ben McAdoo really cares if he runs the ball very often especially if uh if he doesn't have a running back that is impressive and, and the reports are Paul Perkins hasn't been great so I I'm pretty sure that McAdoo's fine having Vareen in there as a compliment to the passing game.
2: Yeah. I mean, it's really just kind of a last ditch effort at a position that the giants have really not had really any luck with since, um, I I forget his name used to be one of my favorite players, uh, had to retire early due to a neck injury, I believe early on in his career, David Wilson, Uh, David Wilson. Yes. I think that was the last promising giants running back I can think of. Um, Paul Perkins. I, I have no idea why you would want another Paul Perkins, but apparently they wanted another one, so they went and got Wayne Gallman. Um, I guess unsurprisingly, neither has really showed up it, into this kind of potential three-down role. So Shane Vereen, who's just kind of a been a long-time staple in the league, is he's always going to be around. He's always going to give you that that you know decent baseline um, receiving production out of the backfield. It's just it's probably just going to be another year to where it's. We're looking for a running back to emerge in the Giants' backfield, and it's just going to be another year to where we really don't have anyone of any sort of relevance.
1: He's caught more than three passes per game over his two seasons with the Giants. Granted, it's only in 21 games, but that's pretty good value. And I feel like, especially in best ball, when you're just trying to fill out your running backs, even if you don't use a zero RB strategy, but I think especially if you do, Vereen's a really nice guy to add, gives you the nice floor. I mean, we know that he'll never become a high volume rusher. His career high in rush attempts is 96 back in 2014. But even if he just gets like 50 rushes, maybe 200 yards on the ground to go along with a pretty decent receiving output, finds the end zone. I mean, he's he's caught in the last three seasons that he's played eight or more games, he's caught three touchdowns or more. So, he is finding the zone enough where I feel like that is really quality production.
2: Before we move on, really quick, I, I know it's kind of a it's kind of a, a tough spot to <laughs> try to explain some of these picks, but I, I don't think you're fans of them, Anthony. But do you happen to have a any idea as to why they would draft a Paul Perkins and a Wayne Gallman? What 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 is it they see in these guys?
1: Well, the Giants just want it to be bad. No, um, <laughs> I. Uh, <laughs> I think that they just have an affinity for the big school player, who they believe can carry the load. And I think that that's what they think about a guy like Wayne Gallman. And you know, Paul Perkins brings like that versatility that they got out of someone like Rashad Jennings, and they really do love the guys from the Power Five conferences. So to get a guy from Clemson get a guy from UCLA, like that just that just kind of fits their mold. That, that seems to be their mo.
2: Makes a lot of sense. All right, last news item to wrap up today. Uh, right before the show, um, ESPN's Jim Trotter reports Anquan Bolden has elected to retire only 13 days uh, since signing with the Buffalo Bills. Um, I-, I think it's quite easy to say it's pretty. Su- it's a pretty surprising move considering you know just the short amount of time. Uh, TJ, what does this do to the Buffalo Bills passing game and, and offense really in general?
3: This is an offense that I went from, uh, really excited about getting rid of, of Rex Ryan and Greg Roman is, is one of the best things you could do for any offense. Uh, but then they, they move Sammy and we're left with, with J-Matt Zay Jones and Anquan Bolden who are all Basically, this the, kind of the same receivers, slot receivers. And now they don't have anyone to throw to on the outside. I guess Say Jones is going to line up out there. Uh, we, we haven't seen Tyrod throw over the middle effectively in his career last year. They threw over the middle less than any team in the league by a pretty significant margin. I, I guess it's a little bit of a chicken or egg situation. They, they haven't had a good slot receiver and, uh, Sammy obviously is, is an outside guy, but I don't think Tyrod sees those throws very well so i'm pretty much off this passing game now it just doesn't excite me anymore i think they they just look kind of lost in what they're trying to build and it i don't see how it translates to translates to much fantasy value
1: i'm just going to be the bills optimist that i frequently am on this show i i love tyrod i don't really think that I don't really think who his receivers are. It really matters that much. I mean, he was still a, a QB one last year without Sammy. I'm, I think he could do that again. I think Jordan Matthews represents a player that's better than anyone he was throwing to last year over that time period. So I'm not really too worried about him, especially if he can continue to produce on the ground. I suppose that's probably the biggest X factor with his value. And I love Jordan Matthews. I think he's a really good player. I think that, you know, height, weight, speed, he's an equal to Sammy Watkins. I know that what he's done in the NFL hasn't been the same in terms of where he's produced his points. Watkins has been the outside deep threat, constantly making those plays downfield. Matthews has been operating almost exclusively out of the slot. But I wonder if this is just a situation where coaches have decided to utilize these players differently, but they're a little more interchangeable than we expect. And I think that the fact that they went out and traded for Matthews speaks volumes in terms of how they at least want to use him. So for fantasy, I think that Matthews is probably going to see a really nice chunk of volume, considering that Bolden's gone and and the second best option right now there is a rookie. So I'm I'm definitely targeting him in drafts. I'm sure that his ADP will adjust a little bit, but for the most you know for the majority of the summer, he's been like a seventh eighth round pick. And I think that's really good value for the, at least the opportunity that he's going to get with that team.
3: Yeah, I guess my concern is it just doesn't. It's it's kind of hard to tell exactly what they're trying to do. This organization as a whole hasn't really been sold on Tyrod as much as, as like the Twitter community I guess so we, we we're kind of talking about it off air like are they even going to to leave Tyrod in there as, as the season goes on it's it's just hard from an outsider's perspective to see it, it just kind of looks like a messy plan if you will.
2: Before we before we get off here I want to just kind of really just bring up the point of um, really, the elephant in the room here, LaShawn McCoy, um, with this team almost taking an approach, much like the Jets, of kind of selling off their assets as as a way to build in a long term way. Um, LaShawn McCoy, as a top five pick in a lot of, uh, best ball drafts, a lot of regular drafts that have been going on that have been conducted already, um, is he a guy that you're even really considering? And, you know, considering a running back is so reliant on the offense. Um, McCoy is coming off a season to where he was hyper efficient relative to his career numbers, you know, 5.4 yards per carry average relative to a 4.7 career average. Um, we, we definitely think he has the talent, but, um, will he be able to, you know, score 14 touchdowns again? Um, we know he's going to be a factor in the passing game. We, I guess we can project some decent volume, but I'm really worried about the overall scoring if this offense is going to Essentially, be forced into a situation to where they can only um, essentially show a front that's going to be effective in the running game. And while Jordan Matthews, I think, is a is a great long term play, I don't think he's a a guy who's going to come in and just make waves immediately in the passing game. Um, And and if this defense continues to look as poor as they've really shown in the preseason, uh, we might see a lot of negative game scripts to where. Um, really this entire Bill's defense or Bill's offense just kind of falls apart. Uh, what are your thoughts on that, TJ? My thoughts
3: are pretty similar to yours. Even before all this movement, Shady just because of his uh, natural uh, regression expectancy coming into the year, like you mentioned, especially with the touchdowns, he just scored way over expectation with his touchdowns. Uh, this offense with without Greg Roman obvi- already probably wasn't going to be as run heavy. And, just from a philosophical standpoint, after Le'Veon and David Johnson, I'm not—I'm never too excited about spending high leverage picks on running backs anyway. Uh, especially in the leagues that I tend to play in, uh, three three wide receivers with one or two flex positions PPR leagues—just hard for me to justify a pick uh, on on those running backs in the first round. But I, I kind of agree with everything you said. I I have very similar concerns. All right, that's going to do it for
1: this edition of the RotoViz Report. Special thanks to our guest, TJ Hernandez. Be sure to follow him on Twitter at TJ Hernandez. And please remember to rate and review the RotoViz Radio channel on iTunes. For Heath Kruger, I'm Anthony Amico. Thanks for listening.
2: Thank you for listening to the RotoViz Report, powered by RotoViz Radio. Please review the podcast on iTunes under the Road of His Radio feed. And be sure to contact us via email at roadofisradio at gmail.com. We'd love to hear your thoughts on the show. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Road Radio. And remember, you can always support the show by subscribing to Road of His at a 30% discount on the NFL podcast homepage, rotobiz.com/slash.
0: Summer's slipping away, so grab hold of Amazing at California's Great America before it's too late. Buy next year's Season Pass and get unlimited visits this year to experience rides, shows, and attractions. That includes incredible coasters, Boomerang Bay, and an amazing Peanuts-themed kids' area. Get this special offer for as low as 11 payments of $6.50 after an initial payment. Hurry to get the best price on the most fun you can have. Buy your 2020 Season Pass now at CAGreatAmerica.com.
4: Plus sales tax and activation fee. $50 plus rate plan required. Not valid for numbers currently on T-Mobile Network or on Metro in past 90 days. Offer subject to change. Offer valid for new Amazon Prime members. Amazon Prime has a $12.99 per month value. Restrictions apply. See store for details and terms and conditions. Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G. Because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters.